Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umarin, and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Hello, friends. Hello, listeners. And welcome back to another episode of the Storytime Clinic. We are in episode number 28 today. I do have to say happy Thanksgiving to all of my people in the U.S. Uh, Friday, yes, today's the day after Thanksgiving. So I hope that you are all happy and well-fed and all recovering now from your collective food comas. Um, For a lot of people, Thanksgiving is a time that they travel and spend with uh, family. I actually did a Friendsgiving yesterday. So I had the opportunity to come down to Memphis and uh, see one of my friends. And so we spent the holidays together. It was interesting, though, yesterday when people were texting and calling and were asking what I was doing for the holidays and asked whether I was spending time with family. I just said yes, automatically, without really kind of thinking about it. And I think that's because there's certain people in my life that, um, although they're not related by blood, they've become like family to me, you know, just because of how much time we spent together and the experiences we've shared and, you know, the things that we've been through together. And I don't think that's unique to me in any way. I know that those of you listening probably also have people like that in your life as well that you identify like extra bonus family (laughs) outside of your blood relatives. When I think about family, a lot of the times I think about family as a place of care, of love, of acceptance, of support you know, and um, also a place of education and and learning. And this is important to all of us uh, foundationally, but how much more important is this for a child who is fresh and new in the world and and needs that um, assurance of love and acceptance and needs guidance as they're growing up? Fortunately or unfortunately for us, families are made up of individuals. And So far as I know, there's no perfect individuals out there. And so from that, we know that there's no perfect families. Some families face circumstances that do not allow them to provide these basic needs for children. And so sometimes an alternative kind of family has to step in for a temporary period of time. So today I wanted to talk about foster care and foster families in the United States. So what exactly is foster care? Well, foster care is a temporary arrangement that helps to provide care for children when their biological parents are not able to take care of them. So this is basically a child welfare service that is funded and regulated by the government, but in practical senses, it's carried out with a combination of social service agencies, as well as private agencies and individuals, families, um, and also with involvement of the court system. 
How did foster care actually get started? So the origin of the foster care system actually dates back to kind of the 1500s in good old England, (laughs) where they had what was called the English Poor Law. And this law allowed for children who would otherwise be in almshouses or poor houses to instead be taken by families and work as indentured servants. Indentured servants um, basically would work off a period of time without pay, um, maybe a period of seven years or whatever the term was, in exchange for food and shelter. And... um, their labor, essentially. But in doing that, a lot of them would learn a trade that they otherwise maybe would not have learned if they just stayed in a poorhouse. So it was still a situation that exposed them to exploitation and abuse, unfortunately. But for some people, that was preferred than just being in a poorhouse. So fast forward to the 1830s in America, we have a bloke by the name of Charles Loring Brace, who is a minister, and his concern and his burden was really the number of homeless children in the streets of the big cities in the Northeast. So places like New York. And these were sometimes kids who had lost parents uh, in regards to epidemics of flu or typhoid or children who were born into severe poverty and who had essentially been given up as orphans. So he founded the Children's Aid Society, which attempted to give these kids uh, basic education, food, and board. And somewhere along the line, he figured these kids are probably going to be best served out on the farms and not in the city. And so he started a program or a process where he would send individual kids to be adopted by families in the Midwest and in the South. um, And they would maybe work on the farms, but they would be adopted and raised by those families as their own. Now, this was a very unregulated process. Um, There was not really a lot of background checks done into the families that accepted these children. There wasn't any financial support given to them. They didn't really follow up on the children afterwards. So through the years, the system has evolved so that we have more government involvement, we have more social agencies involved, and the focus has really shifted um, in trying to really put the needs of the child first. So that's a little bit about the history of the foster care system. So when we talk about foster care today, there is actually about 420,000 kids in the U.S. in foster care in 2019. That's a huge amount of children. That's, That's more than the entire city of Cincinnati. So let's talk about some of the reasons why children might end up in foster care. One is when there's a concern for serious neglect on the part of the parent. So for some reason or another, the parents are not being able to meet the child's basic needs. We're talking about needs for things like food, for shelter, for medical care, and so on. And there's a couple of different underlying reasons why this might be the case. Poverty plays a very significant role in what a parent, a well-meaning parent, might be able to provide for their child. 
other parents may suffer from substance abuse, mental health issues, also very significant. Mental health issues that have gone unrecognized or untreated or inadequately treated um, compromise a parent's ability to take care of a child. Then you might have parents that have been involved in criminal activity of some sort and might be incarcerated or just may not be um, fit to take care of a child at that point in time. There are a proportion of children that unfortunately are going to enter into the foster care system due to abuse. So we might be talking about physical abuse, sexual abuse, or even emotional and verbal abuse or maltreatment. These are all reasons that would raise concerns about a child's um, safety at home. So an initial goal when social services is involved is to remove children from a potentially dangerous situation while then moving quickly to investigate the situation further. So in that meantime, um, once children have been removed from the home, the next step is figuring out where they're going to be placed. As much as possible, we want to try and keep these kids in an environment that's at least somewhat familiar to them. So usually a good amount of effort is made to try and find a relative or somebody who's in the family um, who is able to, who's able and willing to take in these children. So about 30% of these children end up in what is called kinship care. Another 50% of them are going to be taken care of by a foster family that is unrelated. And then you have the last 20%. Some of them end up in group homes, others in a different type of institution. And then there are some adolescents that are able to live independently and they are just supervised. Okay, before I go any further, I'd love to go ahead and introduce our book for the week. So the book I read was called Kinda Like Brothers. Kinda Like Brothers. This book is by Co Booth. It is a middle grade book, and it's told from the perspective of an 11-year-old boy whose mom is a foster parent. And his name is Jared. So Jared is really used to his mom taking in babies for short periods of time, for a couple of weeks or a couple of days, while um, they're found a more permanent placement by social services. The one thing that's different this time is that she's not taking in just a two-year-old girl, but she's also taking in her 12-year-old brother. And Jared is not cool with this. First of all, Jared has to share a room with this new boy, Kavan. Jared is forced to take him to the rec center where he joins all of Jared's favorite activities and annoyingly is better at them than Jared is. <laughs> Kavan is a little bit taller. He's a little bit older. He has a little bit more swagger with the girls. Things are not looking good for Jared. <laughs> So it's it's fun to see that dynamic of just um, a bit of competition between the two boys. And I think that the author Kobooth captures the pre-adolescent um, emotions and thoughts and perspective so, so well. I thought she did an, an excellent job. Um, but all that aside, through the book, we really get to see um, a glimpse into how foster care affects children from an emotional and psychological standpoint. So 
As I mentioned earlier, many kids who are entering the foster care system have faced significant trauma coming in. They're coming in from a place where they may have abuse or domestic violence or neglect in their background. And for a lot of children, even though the environment they were in previously might have been an unsafe one for them, it's something that they were familiar with. Taking a child out of an environment in which they're comfortable and putting them into an environment that they are unfamiliar with, that's strange to them, with people that they don't know, can be a really traumatic and frightening experience. Most children who enter the foster care system also have siblings that need to be placed into care as well. And ideally, these siblings will be kept together But sometimes it is difficult to find a foster family who's willing to take in multiple siblings. And um, it is often more difficult for older siblings to be placed. And so some of these children end up getting separated from siblings as well, which can be very, very difficult for them. Luckily, in the book, Kavan and his little sister Treasure are able to be kept together Another thing that's really helpful is being able to keep children in the same school districts where possible, um, which is something that is now supported by law. Some of the most helpful things for these children in terms of building resilience is having consistent and caring relationships in their lives. So for children who have a difficult uh, home situation with their families, uh, some of these positive relationships may have been built in school. So these may be friendships. These may be teachers. This could be counselors. This could be mentors outside of school. So being able to maintain helpful relationships for these children wherever possible is crucial. Once children are in foster care, a lot of them continue to deal with issues of uncertainty and instability. There's always the questions of how long am I going to be in foster care? What's going to be the outcome of this court case with my parents? When am I going to be reunited with my family? Although for those who've experienced abuse, it might be different. The question might be, am I safe here or am I going to have to go back? Am I going to be able to stay with my siblings? Am I going to be able to stay with this foster family or am I going to have to move again? Will I have to move schools? Will I be put back with my other relatives? So there's so many questions that make it really hard for a child to settle down in a new place. We saw through the book that Kavan remained distrustful of his foster family for quite a while. Um, He didn't want to ask for help. He didn't want to get attached. He was very protective of his younger sister and wanted to continue to um, carry out all the care for her because he'd been doing it since he was young. He was also distrustful of social services agency. And this is not uncommon with foster care children. They might blame the social worker or the social services for taking them away from their family. And so we saw in the book that Kavan wasn't very cooperative with giving information about his father so that his case could move forward. Because again, it's just that fear of worry of um, how the outcome would be for him and whether the separation would become something permanent. So what is actually going on behind the scenes while a child is in foster care? 
Well, more and more, the approach has been to really try and reunite children with their families unless there is a um, significant risk of harm to them. So, for example, in cases where parents are not able to care for children because of substance abuse or mental health disorders or um, poverty, things like that, the push is now really to focus on giving services to the parents to help rectify those situations. So providing access to mental health services and treatment, um, providing access to substance abuse and addiction recovery tools and treatment, and um, providing maybe job skills training, um, helping them with transportation sometimes if necessary, and then overall just helping uh, provide parental skills and parental training just to try and improve the home environment and increase the chances that these children will be reunited with their home family. So during this time, there are typically visits between the parents and the children, if appropriate, um, initially supervised and then gradually moving to unsupervised visits. So this can all kind of end up being a lengthy process. When we look at how long kids typically stay in foster care, we've got about 40% of them that stay in foster care less than a year. But a good 30% of them are in foster care for between one and two years. And another 30% of them are in foster care for more than two years. When we talk about getting out of foster care, the goal for all children is to basically reunite with their families unless reunification is not possible or if it's not in the best interest of the child. So most of these kids are able to reunite with their families, about half of them are. And then another 25% of them are actually adopted out of the foster care system, while the remainder of them, some of them do age out of the foster care system. So when they get to be 18 or 21 years old and they just kind of grow out of foster care. I think adolescents are a group within foster care children that really deserve a bit of additional attention. So Adolescents are more likely to stay in the foster care system for a long period of time. Um, people are more interested in adopting younger children. Adolescence is already a difficult period, you know, a difficult age group to deal with. And, um, you know, on top of that, adolescents who have experienced a lot of trauma, a lot of personal losses and difficulty may be coming in with behavioral issues, mental health issues that are really no big fault of their own, um, but just kind of a response to all they have been through in their lives. And so this group can be a little bit more challenging for foster families or for a family who is looking to adopt. And so unfortunately, they tend to linger in the foster care system. At the same time, we know that adolescence is a period of time where children really benefit from additional guidance and support. They're coming into their own, they're transitioning into adulthood, they are becoming responsible for making decisions for their own life. And it's a time when um, children typically engage in more risk-taking behavior. So coupled with not having a very good support system, 
this period is of particular risk for foster care children. And when we look at some of the research, children coming out of foster care are more likely to have lower educational achievement. They're more likely to have um, lower employment achievement, more likely to experience homelessness, more likely to have ongoing issues with substance abuse or mental health problems. And so I think we really have an opportunity to intervene and help these kids lay a more positive and a more resilient foundation. We started this episode out talking about family and just some of the different roles that family has in our lives. We talked about family as a place of love, of acceptance, of support. And we talked about family not always looking like your blood relatives. And I'm bringing that back now to say that these are the kind of relationships that are really important to cultivate and to make available for adolescents in foster care. So whether this is through foster families, whether this is through their own relatives, whether this is through mentoring, tutoring, through teachers, through school, through other community organizations that really step in and provide some of these foundational supports, this is going to be crucial for this child. When we talk about building resilience, having these positive relationships, consistent caring relationships is going to be so crucial for setting these kids up for success. Um, Going through foster care, some children really struggle with issues of um, feeling rejected, feeling abandoned. And some of this can end up impacting their self-image and their self-esteem. Children with foster care may have come from really difficult environments and they may have the odds stacked against them. However, it's important to be able to also turn that around, to be able to highlight um, their strengths. They still have individual traits and characteristics that are not determined by everything that's happened to them in life. So it's important for them to have people around them who are speaking positively into their lives, who are building them up. It's important for them to have opportunities, whether it is in terms of Um, leadership in school, community organizations and whatnot, to just be able to highlight and celebrate their strengths. From a practical standpoint, there are a lot of organizations nationwide that work to support foster care children in one way or another. So I'll place a couple of links for these in the show notes, but you can also just type your state name and type um, foster care organizations and you will come across some of these. A lot of them welcome volunteers in terms of mentoring and tutoring. And if this is something that you can do consistently, I think it's an excellent way to um, help out other organizations accept monetary donations so that they can provide some of these resources for uh, for adolescents and for other foster care children. So practically speaking, things like uh, driver's lessons, college visits, uh, scholarships for college, scholarships for learning trade skills, and other sort of practical skills that will help these adolescents succeed once they get out of the foster care system. So these are uh, some examples of ways that you could probably help out if you are interested. And then, of course, it is the holiday period. This is an excellent time to look and see which organizations might be collecting donations. Some of them might do a holiday party for a group home or maybe collecting gifts that can be given to foster care children as well. So 
Again, I will leave a couple of these links in the show notes. The name of the book, again, that we talked about is Kind of Like Brothers by Co Booth. And it's an excellent book. Again, I loved the way she wrote it. I really felt like <laughs> reading the thoughts of an 11 year old boy. It was entertaining, but it also provided a lot of opportunities that can be used as conversation starters for kids as well. Just um, making them aware that everyone comes from very different background and some people's families look different. Some people struggle with very different um, things at home as well. And so it can be a jumping point or a, a jump off point to talk about compassion and talk about different ways that you're able to support people who are not part of your immediate family. Okay, guys, that is it for this episode. Thank you again so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in. Let me know what you thought about this episode or if you have any other great books that you would recommend on foster care. I hope you guys all have a wonderful week and I will see you in the next episode. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at the storytime clinic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.